Welcome to Lattes and Lifting. Grab a coffee and join us as we chat all about food, fitness, and finding your freedom. Through this podcast, we will help you navigate the fitness world stress-free. Hello, everyone. Um, It's Jess. I'm here this week with a solo episode um, that might not be for everybody. Uh, So disclaimer, um, if you have any trauma, any remaining trauma surrounding a birth, um, this might not be the episode for you. You might find yourself triggered. um, And maybe it'll be a healing episode for you too. I don't know. We'll see. Um, But just know that I am going to talk about childbirth and um, that might be hard for some people to listen to. So, and also let me say that I believe that the only thing I really believe about childbirth is that the birthing people or the birthing person should have autonomy over their choices. I think that we live in an age where there's information everywhere. And I think that not being educated is, you know, like maybe not really not an excuse that doesn't make sense because there are a lot of times when people just, they're just not educated about childbirth or they're in a position where they might not have the opportunity to be educated. Um, but there is a lot of free information out there with social media. Um, but you do have to think and think critically about what you really want when it comes to childbirth. Uh, and let me just say that if you are triggered by me saying things like pregnant person or birthing person, that's not to not include the terms mother or pregnant woman or anything like that. It's to include people who do not identify as mothers like surrogates or people who are not identifying as women, uh, like non-binary people or trans people. So um, just know that when I talk about myself, I will be referring to myself as a mother and a pregnant woman because that is how I identify. But when I talk about other people, I am going to refer to them as birthing people or pregnant people to include everybody. Okay. And if you're not okay with that, you should probably just stop listening. All right. So the reason I'm sharing my birth story is because I think that it's important to share positive birth stories. There's nothing worse than being a pregnant person and having somebody tell you, oh, birth is the worst. My labor was the worst. And they go into this long story about all these things and you're just terrified by it. Now, that said, if somebody asks for your birth story, then that's okay. But um, it can be really scary as somebody who's never given birth before. And so I hope that this episode serves as a positive birth story um, that you can share with somebody who maybe needs some positivity, who's nervous about giving birth, um, or maybe some of the resources I can, uh, I'm going to be sharing, they can use uh, for their own um, positive birth story. Okay. So uh, first of all, let me start by saying that um, I think my experience was really different because I did have the privilege of having care from some amazing midwives. 
Uh, and that is something that you can apply for in the province of Alberta. Now, here's the problem. The problem is that you do have to apply for it. So you basically, the second I found out I was pregnant, my friend told me I should apply for a midwife if that's what I wanted. And I did. And then what happens is you go into like a pool and they kind of take like a look at their schedules and their caseloads and they send you an offer of care. Um, and so, but the problem is, is that in Alberta, because they're, they're AHS contractors, so they are limited to the amount of patients, clients they can take on. And so not everybody can have a midwife, which is really sad because I had a really great experience with prenatal birth and postpartum care. So if you're thinking about getting a midwife, the second you get pregnant, like apply. And you just have to Google like Alberta midwife application or something. Um, and then, uh, so I don't actually know what having an OB would be like, but I do have a few close friends who had OBs versus midwives. And one of the things that I really didn't love hearing was that you didn't get to see them until you were like 20 weeks, which seems a little, you're like halfway through. Um, and one of the things I really loved about my midwife was one of the first things she said to me was, well, first of all, one of the first things she said to me was that we didn't have to do weight uh, if I didn't want to. And as somebody who has a history of kind of a rocky relationship with their body and food intake, I was really happy about that because I didn't know how I was going to feel about body changes throughout pregnancy. And uh, one of the other things she said was that if something happens uh, with the baby, if, if you have a miscarriage or if you, you know, something, something happens, we're here to support you, um, after, after that too. We don't just leave you hanging because you don't have a baby anymore. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. I really like that. Um, there was some, something comforting about that because if you have been pregnant or if you are pregnant, or if you're thinking about getting pregnant, you'll find out that, you're constantly trying to make it to the next pregnancy milestone and hope that everything's going to be okay when you get there. Um, so what, that was one thing I really felt comforted with, with the midwife. Um, and so I guess the next thing was that things I used for education. So I think Instagram and TikTok are great and I have found some really cool people to follow. However, there are so many things that people have really strong opinions on with, I mean, pregnancy, yes. With birth, oh my God. And then we move into raising a child and it just gets worse, right? So one thing I did was I put a lot of research into finding a prenatal class. And so here was my criteria. My criteria was, is that I didn't want to go to one. Uh, my midwife said that uh, because I, now I should say that I, from the very early on, I was seriously considering having a home birth. Um, and that was just something that, you know what, I honestly didn't think I would choose if I hadn't been pregnant, but I was like, wow, I, you know what? Yeah, I think that that sounds great. And so know that whatever you think might happen could change depending on, I, maybe it was the hormones, I don't know. But so I tried to find one that, she told me not to get a, ho a hospital-based uh, prenatal class because 
if I wasn't planning on giving birth at a hospital, that would kind of be irrelevant. Um, and that wouldn't really prepare me for how to manage everything at home. So one of the criteria was that it gave information for both home birth and hospital birth in the event of a transfer or I changed my mind. Um, I didn't want to have like a, like a Zoom class because um, just with changing schedules and being kind of busy with the new house and everything like that, I wanted to be able to do all of the modules or videos, whatever, with my husband on our own time. And um, it was really important to me that my husband was able to participate too and was an active participant. So the class that we ended up choosing is called uh, Healthy Birth Choices, and it's from a midwife group in Calgary. And I really liked it because it was that self-paced um, home birth, hospital birth, and it was very evidence-based. So they gave a lot of facts. They gave a lot of statistics. Uh, and some of the things that they talked about that I wouldn't have expected was like the history of childbirth. So when you understand what what was happening, you know, 50, 60, 70 80 years ago, you understand why some of the things that we do now are the way that they are. Uh, fun fact, including um, maternal death went down significantly in the 20s and 30s because doctors started washing their hands. Um, yeah, weird, right? So things like that that you would have never known, but maybe make you feel a little more empowered. Um, they went through all the stages of labor and talked about what to look for, how to cope. Um, you know, if you get to here and you're planning on a hospital birth, this is when you would go to the hospital. If you're choosing an epidural, this is what happens and this is what's entailed. If if you're choosing a C-section or if you're needing a C-section, this is exactly what happens and how it goes down. These are some of the complications that can happen during labor and this is your options and all these things. And it was really great. Um, so I really loved that class. Uh, I'll try to link it in the show notes. Once again, it's called healthy birth choices. Uh, and it was about $125. Um, and I thought that was pretty reasonable. So the other thing I did was I read a couple books Well, I got halfway through one of the books cause I gave birth. Uh, one of the first books I read that was really empowering and it was actually given to me by a gym friend who had a home birth and, said, you need to read this book. I'm passing it on to you. She gave me this sweet little note and I loved it. And it's, um, it's by Ina Mae Gaskin and it's just Ina Mae Gaskin's Guide to Childbirth. Uh, now, if you've heard of Ina Mae Gaskin, she's a pretty famous midwife in the States. She actually has like a farm uh, that people come and give birth to. It's kind of very sought out. She's very natural birth, very positive birth. She has a really low C-section rate. Um, very low complication rate, all those kinds of things. So, uh, and her book has, it's like half all these uh, things of how to deal with labor and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the other half is positive birth stories, which I really enjoyed too. And um, while it is pretty hippy dippy, um, it was, I felt very empowered when I read it. Um, and one of the things that she said was, uh, that really stuck with me was that the uterus is the most amazing human organ ever. And we need to be celebrating the uterus because if males had uteruses, they would be like shouting it from the rooftops of how amazing they were. And I was like, yes, the uterus is so amazing because the fact that it can go from, you know, the size of your fist to the size of a turkey 
and push out a human and then shrink back down and do what it was doing all along is incredible when you think about it. Uh, and so having the ability to, you know, do that and, and birth children is, it's still wild to me. Um, so that book was really good. And the other one that I got halfway through is called Giving Birth Like a Feminist. And I actually don't know the author. Uh, but um, now the title seemed a little off to me. And I was like, oh, I don't think they should have named it that. Um, it was really kind of like the guide to childbirth book. However, it was a lot more clinical um, and factual. Um, I believe the author is from the UK because there were some st statistics in there um, that were mostly UK based. And it led me to believe that midwives in the UK are not quite the same as here. Um, so you kind of have to take a little bit with a grain of salt. But again, I found it very empowering or what I did read of it. Um, I was reading it close to the end there. So I didn't quite get to finish it. But it was actually quite good and factual. The other thing I found was a really great podcast called Evidence-Based Birth. Uh, it is available on Apple Podcasts. It's available on Spotify, I believe. And it they really go into like the facts. Uh, so if you're wondering like, oh, does red raspberry leaf tea help induce labor? There's an episode about that. Uh, if you're wondering about baby positioning, there's episodes about that. If you're wondering about um, like different induction methods, there's episodes about each of them, uh, natural and uh, medicinal. And um, there's even some about exercise and things like that, which I found um, quite good. So very facts-based, obviously evidence-based birth. Uh, I believe they have childbirth classes too. So if that's something that you wanted to look into, they do have all that kind of stuff. So a really great resource uh, that you can listen to on the go. So let's get into my story. So I think you all know if you've been listening for a while that I had a relatively easy pregnancy. I had no complications, even uh, despite being a geriatric pregnant person. Uh, so full disclosure, I turned 38 um, at about week 25 in my pregnancy. And one thing that my midwife did say at the beginning was that she didn't really consider me um, any of the risks that naturally come with being a little bit older because I am super healthy. Uh, so uh, I really appreciated that because some of the language about people being older when they're pregnant is just, it's awful. Um, and uh, there's a, actually an, an evidence-based birth episode about like, advanced maternal age and some of the terms that people use. And I was like, wow, I've never heard these before, but that is not okay. Um, so I had no risks, no complications. The placenta was in a good position. My cervix was good. Everything was measuring good. I was measuring a little bit small, about two weeks behind um, near the end, um, but not, not small enough to warrant an extra ultrasound or anything like that. Uh, and then also full disclosure, I did do advanced genetic testing at the beginning. So we did have all that information going into everything. Um, so I was feeling pretty good. Uh, I think most of you know that I did CrossFit for three times a week for 90% of my pregnancy. Um, I was mountain biking. I was running. Uh, pretty healthy, right? I didn't have any food aversions. I had a little bit of heartburn at the end, but I think she was just running out of room. 
Um, and then I hit about 35 weeks and my body felt really slow. Workouts were feeling harder. All of a sudden I had to modify so many things. Uh, I was having a harder time recovering and I was just sort of being like, well, maybe I'll go to CrossFit once a week just for the social aspect and just kind of do workouts at home. And, uh, that's kind of where it ended. Um, my body was literally just like, we are feeling like we need to rest. And I think it's really important, um, to get to know your body during this time because you'll see it in a new light. Your body's doing all these things and to pay attention and to, you know, acknowledge what your body's telling you is sometimes really difficult. It was really difficult for me to take more rest for sure. Um, I think I may have mentioned earlier that I didn't really love walking for a few months even right in the middle as I was getting bigger. Uh, but right at the end, walking started to feel good. And I, looking back, I do believe it's because she had started to change positions. Uh, and it was just way easier. My pelvic pressure had kind of gone away. We were walking, you know, easily 30 minutes every night with the dog, all these kinds of things. And I was feeling really great. Uh, and so at, um, at 37 plus, uh, five days. Um, it was a Sunday. I was at home and we were going to the, take the dog to the dog park. And I went to the washroom before we left because that's what pregnant people do. And, uh, I noticed that something, my mucus plug had kind of, um, or part of it had come out. So it was kind of that pinky brown kind of mucusy looking, and um, I was like, oh, okay. Um, and knowing that that doesn't necessarily mean that anything is going to happen. Lots of people lose their mucus plugs and they grow back very early. Um, so I wasn't worried about anything. Uh, and so we went to the dog park. It was fine. Um, and I was trying to communicate with my partner um, just everything that was happening. He was actually really great and really interested in, in everything, all the changes, learning about what was happening and why, and, and, you know, just being educated in what was going to happen because it's not, it wasn't just about me, right? It was about us. And so I told him and he was like, oh, and I, but that can, you know, doesn't mean anything. I was like, no, I just wanted you to know. And so everything was fine. Nothing out of the ordinary walk felt really good. We actually went a longer walk that day, um, went to bed, whatever. And then I woke up at about 3 a.m., 3, 3.30, with like uncomfortable stomach, lower abdomen pains. And I was like, oh, and I'd had a couple before. I had a lot of Braxton Hicks near the end. And if you're not familiar with what Braxton Hicks are, Braxton Hicks are uh, they are contractions, but they're, they're not very painful. They're just uncomfortable. Your body, your uterus is preparing to give birth. Usually what happens or what happened to me was that my belly would just get very firm um, and it would stay firm for a bit and then it would go away and nothing would happen. Um, these were not Braxton Hicks. <laughs> these were like, oof. And I woke up and I was like, oh, ow. And then I like, remembering what my midwife had told me was that once you 
are getting contractions, try to ignore them as long as possible because first time moms can have them for days. And so I was like, well, I'll just roll over and go back to sleep. And so I did. And then I kept waking up every like 15, 20 minutes, same sort of pain. So after about an hour, I decided to use the app on my phone just to track the timing of the contractions, just to see, again, not really worrying because I was like, well, if they go away and they never come back, or if they, um, you know, they could go away for like days uh, at this point, um, and then they can pick up again. So it's really not, uh, you know, it's not something to be excited about, right? Especially if you've never given birth before, you just, you could, whatever. Uh, so, uh, so I just kind of hung out, did whatever and, uh, started tracking them and they were like 10 minutes apart, seven, nine, 10, 12, nothing consistent, uh, but they weren't going away. Uh, so I finally got up at about seven and just did everything normally. I drank my greens. I took my vitamins. I started hydrating. I had coffee. I had breakfast. And then I was like, well, you know, maybe I should just grab my ball and sort of move around a bit. And, and then they, they just kept coming and I was like, okay, well, it is what it is. Uh, we'll see if they last go away, stay 10 minutes apart forevermore. Um, again, me not knowing how it was going to go, I just kind of like, all right, I'll just hydrate, eat as normal, try to maybe watch some Netflix, move around, change positions, all that kind of stuff. So um, I wasn't really like getting excited about it. Um, and I think that was really helpful because I was just like not getting ahead of myself. Um, and so they were getting a lot stronger. Um, and, and yeah, like painful, like very, you know, kind of right above my, 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 my pelvis, my pubic bone, kind of across the lower part of my belly, like where your cervix is. Like I, in hindsight, I was like, you know what? I was actually kind of feeling my cervix, um, dilate really. Um, which I think is so cool and so weird at the same time, because like, how often do you feel your cervix? Like, and, and I was like, wow, like looking back, yeah, like that was my, that was my cervix, man. Like, whoa. So, um, and I think that also just goes to show how in tune I kind of am with how my body feels. So anyways, day kind of goes by. I had canceled my clients and I was like, well, like I might be in tomorrow. So like, don't get excited. And I, you know, I'd messaged Christy and was like, Hey, just like, you know, keep it on the DL, but I don't, I could be nothing tomorrow. So about three thirty, three o'clock, three thirty. I, my husband works from home. So I went to his office and I was like, Hey, like, I don't think these are going away and they're starting to get pretty painful. So are you able to stop working and just kind of like support me? And he was like, yeah, you've been at this all day. And I was like, well, yeah, but I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. And so anyways, and he was like, well, what do you want me to do? And I was like, I don't know, just be here, like hold me, hug me, rub my back, pressure on my pelvis. Um, you know, like remember all the things that we had learned and talked about during the birth class and everything. And so he 
was like, well, why don't you walk around a little bit? Movement is supposed to help. You haven't really been moving all that much. And I was like, yeah, I know. And so I started doing kind of laps around the house um, and they were getting stronger and closer together. And meanwhile, I was tracking like all day. So they went from about seven to nine minutes apart to four to five minutes apart. And I was like, wow, things are progressing really quickly. So I was like, well, once they're an hour, once we've been doing this for an hour, then I can call the midwife. Uh, the general rule is uh, either 511 or 411, depending. Um, uh, so it means that they're four to five minutes apart, either way, uh, lasting for a minute or longer for an hour, uh, which means it's consistent. So uh, it, it was just almost an hour and I was like, okay, I'm going to call a midwife and, uh, but I'm going to go to the bathroom first. And I went to the bathroom and my water broke and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> things are happening. Uh, and fun fact, I'm not sure if you know this, but most of the time people's water or bags of water don't break like they do in the movies you're not just like hanging out and it's like poof sometimes that does happen but a lot of times it happens during labor or late stages of labor in my case it was later stages of labor uh and so at that time i was like okay now we can definitely call the midwife so i called her and she said oh okay uh, sounds great. Uh, I can be at your house in about 20 minutes um, and we'll make a plan. And the way that she said it led me to believe that this was going to be a while and she was probably going to come over and leave and come back. So uh, I had my husband get all the things that we had grabbed, that we had prepared for the home birth, um, which was uh, a like a lot of towels, some like disposable sort of like puppy pads. Um, there wasn't really a ton of things that we needed to get, but just things like that. Uh, they give you a list if that's what you're planning on doing. And uh, so my midwife shows up and she said, um, okay, well, let's check your cervix and we'll just see. And so I hop up on the bed and she checks my cervix and she said, well, you're eight and a half, nine centimeters dilated. And I was, and I li literally said to her, oh, so today wasn't for nothing. <laughs> and at that point I was in, you know, they were getting a lot more intense. Um, and yeah, like painful, um, but not in a way I could ever describe um, the, your, the, the intensity that you feel and things that you feel are not like anything else, um, which is, you know, we need to stop comparing pain of injuries and things like that to childbirth because it is not the same as anything. I've had some pretty catastrophic injuries and I, I wouldn't compare anything. It's not even on the same scale, um, not even the same type of, of discomfort. So anyways, at that point, um, she was like, yeah, you're having this baby. Um, I'm going to call the second midwife. So how that works is they have a second midwife come and that second midwife is for the baby, uh, in the event that they are in distress or they need some resuscitation. So when the midwives come, they actually have a full sort of like a trauma pack, we'll call it. Uh, and they've got oxygen, they've got, 
um, ways to resuscitate the baby and you. They've got um, they've got some drugs, so they've got some oxytocin for clotting and things like that. They've got all the things they need to do to the baby once they're born. They've got um, you know they can stitch you up, all those kinds of things. So I think it's important to know that midwives are medical professionals. They're not. There's a huge difference between like a midwife and a doula. They are a birth coach but they are a medical professional and they are uh, trained to deal with emergency situations. So, you know, they make sure that there's a plan that you're close enough to a hospital or, um, you know, to make that transfer or anything like that. So just know that, you know, with the, with low complications and with, you know, low risk, um, and having care close by, you know, it is safe to plan and have a home birth. And that's exactly what we did. So the next part was after checking me and whatever, she was like, did you want to give birth in the bathtub as we talked about? And I was like, well, I don't even know. And so my husband was like, I'll fill it up anyways. Why don't you get in? You probably feel better. You can get out if you want to. So he filled up the tub and I got in and immediately I was like, oh, wow, I feel so much more relaxed. I hadn't actually had a bath for like my entire pregnancy. So it was kind of nice. Um, and I had a few contractions where I felt my body was like pushing involuntarily. At no point did, uh, at no point did I feel did I, was I told to push? I would just let it happen. Um, and the next part about it was that I kind of remembered that I had, I'd seen a pelvic floor physio a few weeks earlier. And she said to me, um, I feel like the best advice I can give you for your birth is you're really good at like the masculine side of everything, which kind of means like you you know, you're very strong, mind over matter, like all those, that, that side of it is really strong. But I feel like for you, you might need to work on the feminine side of it, which is like the um, letting go, giving in, um, that kind of thing. So if you can keep that in mind, like lean into it. And so I was, I think at the beginning, I was trying too hard to control what happened in the contractions. And so what I ended up doing was flipping that mindset and controlling what happened in between. And so what I could control was um, lowering my heart rate, relaxing in between, breathing in between, resting, hydrating in between. And all right. So I was interrupted by an incoming call on my phone and a baby that woke up from her nap. So here we go. Um, so I really tried to focus on what happened in between the contractions because to be perfectly honest, it was just everything I could do to get through the actual contraction part. So fair enough. Um, I had a couple on my back in the tub and my midwife was kind of like, you know, I feel like maybe, maybe you would want to go on your side or on all fours. And I was like, yeah, let's, let's change positions. So I went to all fours on my side, just didn't feel 
um, comfortable enough in the tub. So I moved on to all fours and um, my midwife did a really great job of just telling me in between contractions that I was moving her down really nice and slow. It was going to happen soon, you know, like just being very positive. Um, so she was kind of at that end of what was going on. And my partner was at my sort of hands, head area, um, just supporting me, making sure that I got hydrated, um, being really encouraging. And then the other midwife was doing the um, she would kind of pop in every few contractions just for some um, fetal monitoring with the Doppler, which was really great because, um, you know, you can just tell like what's happening with the baby and you know that, I don't know if you know this, but lots of times baby's heart rate can drop during contractions, which can actually worry a lot of people. Uh, but most of the time it comes back up when there's not a contraction. So they only ever monitored, I don't think they could have got in there during a contraction, but um, they only ever monitored in between when things were at like rest. So, um, so I was on my hands and knees and everything was going really great. And uh, the next thing I knew, um, my midwife said, um, her head is right there. And I was like, kind of at the point where I was like, man, like how much longer is this going to go on? And, and when she said that, I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Um, and at the same time, remembered that I had seen a, a bunch of either like videos or it was, there was a really great video with a pelvis and a, and a, I think it was a pelvic floor physio, but, uh, they had been talking about uh, knees together versus knees apart. And a lot of people labor with their knees apart. But um, when you put your knees together, it actually, when you internally rotate your legs at the hip, you actually open your the bottom of your pelvis. Uh, knees apart opens the top of your pelvis, which is really helpful for a lot of parts of labor, but not the end. Uh, and so I just kind of slid my ankles apart and knees together ever so slightly. And the next thing I knew, she said, um, and her head is out. And I was like, wow. Um, which was also like my cue to chill, uh, because the contraction ended. And, um, it's also the time when you, you don't want to be pushing, uh, too quickly. Uh, and so when the next contraction came, I just kind of let whatever was going to happen, happen. And she um, pulled her out um, and we sort of very carefully flipped over. She put her on my chest and, and that was, that was it. Um, we just kind of hung out in the bathtub for uh, maybe 15, 20 minutes. Um, and then uh, we, we did do delayed cord clamping. Um, so after the, after the blood had left, the umbilical cord, uh, my partner was able to cut it and uh, they clamped it off and everything. And then, um, and then we just kind of hung out for a bit and then it comes time to uh, deliver the placenta, which at the time felt worse than the actual uh, birth. And I think it was just cause I was tired and you kind of have that like, um, that 
you know, release of oxytocin and adrenaline. And then you're like, oh, like now what? And so they were, she was like, can you, can you push? Can you, you know, this? And I was like, no, I really don't want to. So, uh, so she had me get out of the tub and change positions and then ended up kind of funny. I ended up kind of coughing the placenta out and it took, it took longer than I felt like it should. But at the same time, I know that there's a lot of times when physicians will start sort of like, they'll almost like pull it from you. And that kind of creates a bigger wound than is necessary uh, in the uterus. Um, Side note, when you deliver your placenta, you are left with a dinner plate size um, wound in your uterus, which is a lot of the reasons why you bleed so long after giving birth. So um, that's why it's important to rest and to kind of let that happen and heal. So, uh, yeah, so winter was born at about 7 p.m. So I was really only in like active, active labor for about an hour. Um, uh, So total was about, let's see, 12 plus, I guess, 15 hours total, which is pretty quick. Um, And uh, yeah, the afterbirth part um, was okay. Um, I did need... Um, just a little bit of sewing up because I had a small tear uh, just off to the side. Um, So my perineum was intact, which I was really like, yes, very grateful for that, even though I didn't actually get around to doing my perineal stretching. Um, But um, yeah, all in all, a pretty... Uh, a pretty good experience. So she was born at like 38 minus one day. So 37 plus six or seven days, um, which is a little bit early, but, uh, and she was six pounds, one ounce. Um, all of her testing was good. Um, and it was really nice to have, to be at home because to be honest, after, going through that and um you know everything I was really tired and my sugars were pretty wiped I was pretty shaky uh so it was nice to just lay in bed and do some skin to skin and um just eat salt vinegar chips and uh and just hang out in bed and not have to have weird noises or people coming in all the time or bright lights or anything like that. It was nice to just hang out in bed and know that I was cozy and everything was the same how it was the night before, just with an extra person and with a lot more um, pads and things like that. Um, So I guess it's the end of the actual birth story, but I did want to sort of plug um, some things that helped me get through the first few days or weeks postpartum because I'm officially two weeks postpartum today um things that really helped was pretty much everything from the freedom mom um postpartum line they have a lot of products um so they have some like disposable underwear which is kind of boy short like uh which is quite comfortable even for c-sections I know some c-section moms who have um had that. Um, they also have these pads that are kind of like those ice packs that you, um, you kind of break and they turn cold and they already have witch hazel and things like that in them. So I did have that and then they are an investment. So I know you can make your own, but I'm really not that crafty. Um, and 
so those really help just with the cooling and and having the ice and everything um as well as just having you know all that stuff on hand so you know like different sizes of pads for when i was ready um having oh the the peri bottle is quite nice because it is angled so you can kind of spray with water um and you know to be honest i really only needed that for a few days um and lowering your expectations for doing things so um now i know that this is also a privileged situation um in that i we did choose as a as a family to formula feed so my partner was able to help with feedings he was he did most of the diaper changes in the first couple of days so that i didn't have to get out of bed that much uh which was really nice um and um you know just having having everything kind of in place we we had all the nursery stuff done we had all the diapers we had everything we needed um and you know bottles and things like that formula and that so we were able to um just kind of start being parents right away which also was very strange um and so i was really grateful that that choice that we had made was the right one for our family and it is not for everybody i realized that a lot of people um choose to breastfeed and that is totally fine for those people it was not something that was going to be part of my journey as a mother um and i am privileged that i do get to make that choice so um i'm trying to think of anything else that we did that really helped i think mostly what i will say is having a partner that was really involved in the whole process the pregnancy process the um the birthing class process the decision making process um was really helpful because i didn't feel like i went through anything alone um i i felt like we made decisions together um i felt that we um he was there for me for all of the kind of tough moments or decisions and we you know we were able to weigh the pros and cons and the risks and the benefits and we were able to make the best decisions that we could have for our family um and then the other thing i would say really helped was just reading lots and educating lots so like i mentioned like the evidence based birth podcast those two books that i mentioned um you know all those kinds of things and just like learning what's out there and what your options are and knowing that you do get to make these decisions i know a lot of people feel like they get um they're kind of told that they're being induced or they're told that they're going to have this drug or this drug or whatever and know that you don't have to say yes to any of those things um it's entirely your choice if you don't want to be induced you don't have to be induced that was one thing i really didn't want for myself uh was any sort of interventions like that uh and i have my i have my reasons so um but 
I mean, I'm happy to report that I did have the birth that I visioned and I am very lucky. I mean, luck is a huge part of it. Uh, luck and privilege and um, I guess hashtag blessed that it turned out the way that I wanted um, or that I in imagined. Uh, but also know that I do think that if things had gone sideways, one of the things that I had told the midwives that the only thing I really wanted from my birth plan was that I wanted autonomy over my choices. So I wanted, not that I really wanted to eat during labor, but I wanted to have the option. I wanted to have the option of doing things the way that I wanted to do them or making a choice that was right for me, no matter what the choice was. If that choice had been to abandon ship and go to the hospital and get an epidural, I wanted it to be my decision. And I didn't want to be told how things were going to go down. And I think that just speaks a lot to my personality as well in that I wanted to have control over whatever I could have control over. Uh, and choices are one of those things, right? So um, that was really important to me. And I think because of all the prep that I did and all the reading and the educating that I did, I was able to have a pretty positive birth experience. And truthfully, while I'm sitting here thinking, I'm glad I'm not going to do that again, or I don't have to do that again, um, it wasn't super terrible. Um, I feel pretty badass for my ability to handle the situation and still kind of in awe that um, she's already here and I grew this tiny human in my magical uterus. Um, and I think that's pretty cool that, um, that we can do that. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that if you are pregnant or thinking about getting pregnant, this gives you uh, some resources and a positive birth story. Uh, and know that if you choose to have an epidural, that's amazing. And if you choose to have a C-section, that's amazing. And if you choose any of your own choices in childbirth, that is amazing because your body is amazing for doing what it just did. And we have medical interventions for reasons. And if that's what it comes to, then we are so grateful that we live where we live and we have access to all those things and that we have these brilliant doctors and labor and delivery nurses who know what to do when there's an emergency and know how to take care of all those things. And know that all kinds of birth are valid and that um, your story is valid and your feelings are valid about them. And if you ever want to talk, um, feel free to reach out to me and we can talk. So uh, I was going to start with a win, but I think I'll finish with a win. And my win is that I did the thing and had a baby. And now I have my little winter and everything's pretty great. So that's going to be my win for probably quite a while. So thank you for listening. And please reach out if you have any questions. You can find me at JLAC Fitness on the gram or you can message me here. Um, I hope you guys are having a great day, great week, and we'll catch you later. Um.